0: Hey everybody, this is Reuben, and you're listening to Amazing Stories.
1: Episode 3, Balor's Fort. Of all the people Neville Preshaw met as he frantically travelled around Ireland, searching for answers about what had happened to his house on Tory Island, one person in particular would prove crucial.
2: Hello? Excuse me. I'm looking for a man called John McGinty. I'm John McGuinty. I'm Neville,
3: Neville Preshall.
2: We talked on the phone? Oh, yes, you're the
3: fella with the house on Tory. I have some information you'll want to hear.
1: When Patrick Duhan's hotel opened for business, it was like a beacon of hope for Tory. In the 1980s, the island was on the verge of collapse. It's the winter storms, cutting them off for many weeks, that persuaded a quarter of the population to opt for the mainland. None wants to talk publicly. 10 families are to leave. That's over 50 people. For decades, the islanders had been neglected. The simple, traditional way of life that had charmed Neville and caught his eye as a filmmaker translated to poverty for many of the islanders themselves. Here, the clock stopped a century ago. Everything's imported. Food, fuel, machinery. There's no running water, no sewerage, no cars, no doctor, no hotel, no trees. No crime, so no police. There were even suspicions that the government of Ireland wanted to shut the island down. A secret official document from 1978 suggested that all 150 islanders should be relocated. And Tory turned into... A holiday home for American tourists, a high security prison, a quarantine centre, or even a firing range for the army.
4: Even when islanders go to the to the mainland, sometimes they say we're going to Ireland because they see it as a place apart.
1: Broadcaster and journalist Enyany Reschlon is from Northwest Donegal and knows Tory Island well.
4: It's remote nature and often was cut off for several weeks or even months in the winter with bad weather. It sort of breeds an, an independence in itself. And Tories often referred to as, or in the give a rock in the middle of the ocean, because it literally is a, a rock in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean.
1: And it's that isolation and independence, the sense of having to stick together to survive, that helps explain why Neville met with such a wall of silence.
4: Islanders often feel that they are apart and that even if they fall out among each other, maybe when there is an outside influence, that they will sort of close ranks or that they'll pull together or that they'll try and show a united front. So far, Neville's
1: search for answers hadn't got him very far. He knew the house had burnt down. He knew at some point after that, the remains collapsed or more likely were knocked down and an engineer's report suggested that a digger was responsible. But then, Neville got lucky.
5: My name is John McGuinty. I'm a building contractor.
1: John's not from Tory, but he did spend a lot of time there.
5: My first trip to Tory Island, I was doing a housing scheme for Donegal County Council. There's six little houses built on the island, and I, I did them six little houses.
1: In fact, he did quite a lot.
5: Then I, I done up the health board and i done the post office, and I think he'd done maybe the roof in the parochial house, and uh, I upgraded the water scheme and I tired the roads. So I did a lot of little stuff about the, about the island.
1: More importantly, and the reason Neville wanted to speak to him, McGinty was subcontracted to do construction work on Patrick's new hotel.
2: Do you mind if I tape our conversation? It's just for my records.
3: Doesn't bother me who hears it. Sure, I'm only going to be telling the truth. So, I heard you were working on Patrick Doohan's hotel. I was only a subcontractor myself. I had a couple of fellas out there with me, labouring. Pretty basic stuff. But it's always more awkward on an island. We were coming and going all the time. That's why we appreciated your house. My house? Aye. Aye. We were staying in it. They'd us put up in this pokey wee place that was falling apart. Then Mary says, sure, I'm looking after this house down by the site. You'd be doing me a favour moving in. It would keep the damp out of the place. No rent ever changed hands. But I'd done a few wee jobs round the place. Fixed the bathroom and the hot water pipes just to show we appreciated it. Nobody told me there were people living in my house. Mary should have told me. sure, there's no point worrying about that now. I'll tell you something much more interesting about Patrick Doohan. You'll want to hear this. Go on. Well, I knew your house was always going to be an issue. Sitting where it was, between the new hotel and the sea, Patrick said as much a couple of times, complaining that it interrupted his lovely view. This one day, Patrick comes out to me on the site and he says, Here, John... If I was to give you a thousand punds right now, would you knock that house there down? (sighs) I could have, easily, not a bother. But I told Doohan he'd need to show me proof of ownership first, for I knew he didn't own that house himself. And what did Patrick Doohan say then? Nothing. It was left of that and no more word about it. I remembered him saying it, though. It came back to me when I heard the house had fallen down.
1: Many years later in court Patrick Doohan would deny that he had ever offered John McGinty any money to knock the house down but the judge could not make a finding either way McGuinty says he began to develop a sense of foreboding
5: I had a kind of a feeling that something wasn't going to be good wasn't going to be a good outcome out of this you know like you know sort of where you're in the game as long as I am or in the business as long as I am sometimes you get that kind of a feeling you know and I, I got that kind of a feeling
1: he was right. The 11th of January, 1993. Just three days before Neville's house burns to the ground, a single sheet of asbestos sheeting disappears from the roof.
5: This house would be a quite old house, but it, it has stood up to for the fairly substantial storms and there never was no problems with it. And all of a sudden, one sheet blew off or, and uh, I thought that was kind of unusual.
1: John quickly arranged for the only available sheet of asbestos and Tory to be delivered to the house so that his two workmen could repair the roof.
5: Our two boys were were getting ready to put the sheet up. So Patrick decided that he would give them a help helping hand to put the sheet up. Patrick lifted the boys up on the roof with the front bucket of his little digger that he that he had gone on fairly recently. And when the boys were up on the roof, the wheel the the of sheet that broke
1: it. Patrick Doohan denies breaking anything and a court would later find that he did not hinder the attempted repair. A broken roof sheet might seem relatively minor but it's not on a place as remote and isolated as Torrey Island. With the roof open to the elements storms quickly rendered the house uninhabitable.
4: I
5: said to the boys, you better move up to the local hostel. So I arranged for accommodation for the, the two boys up in the hostel. And then the next thing then, the boys come down, I think the next day, and there were six sheets gone. So I told the boys, make sure to go out the main fuse and cut off all the, all the electricity supply to the house in case there it would cause a fire or anything, you know.
1: John was right to be worried.
5: Next morning, there was no house. The house
6: was burnt to the ground.
2: This is great stuff, John. Thank you. It's exactly what I've been looking
3: for. Can you go over the night of the 14th for me? I wasn't on the island myself. I'd a bit of bother booking a helicopter flight. I came the next day, as soon as I heard. But the two boys who were labouring for me were at the house at nine the next morning and they told me there was nothing left. It was just a shell, completely burnt out. Now... I know you've lost your house, Neville, but that fire was a nightmare for me too. I would five grand of gear in there. It all got burnt to a crisp. Have you any thoughts about how the fire started? No doubt in my mind. It had to have been done maliciously. What did the islanders have to say about it? Nothing much. I'd say they all knew rightly what had happened, though nobody was forthcoming, if you know what I mean. I don't suppose Patrick had much to say on the matter. No, well, but I confronted him with it the next time I saw him. I said, something suspicious has gone on here, Patrick. Though I might not have the proof of it. And he just said he wasn't on the island when it happened. Apparently his wife was having a baby. He was over in the hospital with her on the mainland. Tell me this. Were you the one who called the guards? Aye. I reported it straight away. One guard eventually landed out about six weeks later. There wasn't much point in them coming by then. But did you make it clear
2: you thought a crime had happened? You thought this was arson, not just an accident?
3: Absolutely loud and clear. That fire was so fierce, I just couldn't see how it was an accident. I don't understand. It doesn't make sense. If you
2: reported the fire straight away, then why didn't they bother investigating It's almost like they didn't care.
1: On Garda Síochána, the Irish Police Service did investigate. Islanders say a lone officer arrived and left on the same day, but his investigation seemingly went nowhere. In fact, the officer's name and any written record of his investigation have been lost. A court would later accept that there was no evidence that Doohan or anyone directed by him had been involved with the fire. Meanwhile, the remains of Neville's house, by now a burnt-out shell, continued to gradually disappear. Around this time, Patrick was complaining to the council about the dangerous condition of the house and said he was going to seek a demolition order. Eventually, a council engineer did visit Tory, His comments in the report about Neville's by then ruined house makes for interesting reading. How this building got into its present dangerous condition in such a short space of time, i.e. since work started on the new hotel whose view it was blocking, is anybody's guess. But permission was given for Patrick to clear the rubble from the road, the letter Neville had seen when he had visited the council. By the start of 1994, Neville's house had completely vanished. And on May the 11th, the new hotel, Austin Harry, opened for business. Tell
7: me again why we're doing this, Neville?
2: I want you to hear the evidence. It's exactly what we need. I knew John McGinty was the man to talk to. Here, listen to this bit. He says, Patrick Doohan offered him a grand to knock my house down. It's reasonable for anyone who hears that to ask if Patrick was involved. And McGinty says Patrick's digger hit the house when they were repairing the roof.
7: So what? Diggers probably hit things all the time. And he wasn't even on the island on the night of the fire. You can't go around accusing people without proof. Look, I'm done here. I've had enough.
2: Hold on a second. There's more you need to hear. This is good stuff I've got. They'll have to take me seriously now.
7: I said I was done, Neville. I don't just mean for tonight. I'm done with the whole thing. The house, Tory, the whole bloody place. It's gone beyond a joke now. I'm getting really worried about you. You're obsessed with that stupid house. Tell me, where's it all going to end?
2: It'll end when I find out what happened and I'm so close, Fiona. Honestly, it won't be much longer.
7: I can't. I mean, it's just too much. You're never here. And when you are, you don't talk about anything but the house. I miss you, Neville. I miss the way we used to be.
2: Just a few more weeks. I promise, Fiona. I'm nearly there. So close. I can't give up now.
7: Why don't we just go back to New Zealand? I know it wasn't always easy out there, but we had friends. The kids had friends. It's the only life they have ever known. And it was a good life. I think we should consider heading back. If nothing else, it'd be good for you. It'd be good for all of us. I'm sorry, Neville. I've had enough.
2: But the house. I just need to talk to a couple more people.
1: Neville, listen to me. It's time to go home. Neville sent the tape of the interview he had recorded with John McGinty to the Gardaí. But like the report from that lone officer who visited the island after McGinty reported the fire, the tape would eventually be lost without trace. The two months he spent searching Ireland for answers took a severe toll on his health. Eventually, he'd had enough. The family packed up and left for New Zealand.
8: I was just so pleased when we arrived back in Queenstown. I was just so relieved because of all the tensions that were generated, you know, in going to Tory and and finding the house gone. It was like going into heaven. I was back home, so to speak. There was just a real feeling of happiness, you know, We'd left all that behind, and we were continuing on with life, you know?
1: But it was not to last.
8: At some time after that, I was painting a house one day, and I just sort of felt it was going out of my mind. It was just a horrible feeling. It's, it's, it's sort of difficult, you know, to put it into words. And I rushed around to my GP, and he sent me down to Ward 14 in Invercargill, which is a mental health ward.
9: I've given Neville a sedative to help him calm down. He should sleep for a while.
7: What's wrong with him, Doctor? I've never seen him like this before. Is he having some kind of breakdown?
9: Yes and no. Look, Mrs pressure.
7: Fiona, please. Fiona. Sometimes he doesn't make much sense. I'm sure he's told you about the house on Tory. We moved back to New Zealand to make a new start, but he's still obsessed.
9: He wouldn't talk about anything else. Did the house actually disappear? To be honest, we thought he was just delusional. You get told all sorts of things in here.
7: It's a long story, but yes, his house was removed without his permission. He spent months trying to work out what happened... It's not been good for him or any of us. I know he doesn't look at it now, but my Neville was doing really well for himself until the thing on Tory Island happened.
9: That's often the case, Fiona. A build-up of stress can trigger an incident like the one your husband had today. I still want to run a few more tests, but I suspect your husband might have bipolar disorder. I'm going to section him for a few days so we can get him sorted on a treatment plan. Try not to worry. I promise we're going to take good care of him.
1: Neville has since been admitted to hospital and sectioned many times. When he talks about his past, there seems to be a clear line between his life before discovering his house had vanished and his life afterwards.
8: I just can't remember exactly. I'm sorry, I just just can't remember. Again, it's a bit of a blur as to what actually happened.
1: It's a powerful illustration of just how devastating an effect the disappearance of his house had on Neville. And this would prove very important when the case finally went to court. After being released from hospital in New Zealand, life became very difficult for Neville and his family. Fiona Preshaw, I think she summed it up best. To me, it appeared that
6: hell had been let loose in our family.
1: Journalist Anton McCabe began, who wrote a book about Neville and his house.
6: The change in Neville's mental state and his behaviour and the subsequent misfortunes which befell both of us. It was like there was a malign spirit stalking the family. He lost control of his drinking. He also became a, a chain smoker who just puffed cigarette after cigarette. As his health became poorer, he became increasingly unable to work for any length of time. What's that?
7: God, I'm mortified. It's the folks from across the road. They've left another bag of milk and potatoes on the doorstep.
2: What are they doing that for?
7: Because they know we don't have anything else to eat. Because they're nice people, Neville. And they've taken pity on the poor Irish folk across the street living on the bones of their heirs.
2: It's very kind of them, isn't it?
7: It's very kind of them? That's all you're going to say, Neville Preshaw. Sitting there on your backside doing nothing to support your family.
2: Now, that's not fair, Fiona. You know I'd get a job if I could. I'm not a lazy man. When have you ever known me lazy? It's just my head's not what it used to be. I can't seem to concentrate on anything these days. There's nobody will give me a job the state I'm in.
7: I'm sorry, Neville. That wasn't fair. I, I know you're not well. If I didn't have the kids to look after, I'd go out and get a job myself.
2: I know you would, love. You're awful good. This is just a tough time, but we'll get through it. I know we will.
7: Would you not go down and sign on, Neville? There's so many benefits we could be claiming. It'd be a big help. It wouldn't be forever, just until we're back on our feet.
2: No, never. You know how I feel about benefits. I'm not taking handouts from anyone.
7: But you're not above taking your neighbour's spots. I'm at the end of my tether here, Neville. You tell me what I'm supposed to do.
2: Just hold on a wee bit longer, Fiona. I've a feeling things are about to change. Did I tell you I had a premonition last night that the roof was going to blow off Patrick Doohan's hotel?
7: (laughs) No, you didn't tell me. And I wouldn't have listened if you had. I don't want to hear any more about Tory Island. This is meant to be a new start for us. You promised me, Neville. No more nonsense about that house.
2: I know, I know. I just couldn't help imagining Doohan's face if the roof blew off his precious hotel. There'd be some irony in that. But I'm done with all that. Honestly, Fiona, I rang the Gardaí in Ireland the other day and told them to call the investigation off. That's it, over. End of. I've no interest in Tory anymore.
1: Then the family hit an all-time low with a succession of terrible events. It was the
6: 13th of September... 1999 is a date that the family will always remember. In the morning, they got a phone call to say that Neville's brother, his only sibling, had died of double pneumonia. And then 12 hours later, they got a phone call to say that Fiona's father had died in Ireland. That was a catastrophic blow to the health of both.
1: Life really falls apart. The next day, Fiona's poor health meant she was admitted to hospital. A week later, Neville was admitted to a psychiatric ward. In the confusion and chaos that followed, their children were taken into care.
8: I got a letter from my solicitor in Queenstown and he asked me to come in and see him. And he leant back in his chair and he said, I don't want to be pessimistic, but from what... I read in this letter you have signed your children over to the state. They're no longer your children.
1: Eventually, the children were released back into their care on one condition that the family returned to Ireland to live with Neville's parents in County Down. The week before they left Neville took an overdose. He was still recovering when they boarded the plane to Ireland. Once back the lure of Tory proved too much for Neville. Neville felt that he had to forgive those
6: whom he believed had wronged him. He fought to embrace forgiveness.
8: I went into the hotel to meet Patrick Duhan.
0: Can I get you anything else there? Neville? Is that you? I thought uh, you and the wife were living in New Zealand these days.
2: We moved back. We had a few issues out there. Well, they say I have issues anyway. They told me I'm not right in the head.
0: Um, sorry to hear that. Where are you living these days? With my folks. Just
2: for a while. Till we get back on our feet. My head's all over... I can't get over what happened here. I needed to come back and try to... I don't know how to say this. Forgive everybody for what they've done. I need to make peace with the island. Does that make sense? Am I making any sense? I don't know if I'm making sense anymore.
6: Oh,
0: Neville, sounds like you've had a time of it. Can I get you another drink?
2: I haven't the money to pay for it. I've not been working this last wee while. I haven't been able to, and Fiona's not working either. I don't know what I'd have done without my Fiona. That woman's been an absolute godsend. Half the time I wonder why she still puts up with me. I've been a mess since the house disappeared. I'd need to make things better. If I could just start again... Listen, would you know of any land I could get on Tory? Could you help me, Patrick?
0: A wee bit of land here would be like a new start. I'd have to look into it, Neville. Let me buy you another drink. Uh, In fact... (sighs) take this uh, and don't be spending it all on drink take it home to your wife and, and them wains of yours I can't take this it's far too much there must be a hundred quid here uh, you're grand Neville you've had a while run of it these last few years sure just pay me back when you have it
2: I have to go I have to
0: go where are you going? it's blowing a gale out there stay and have another pint no thanks Patrick Thanks
2: for everything, but I have to go. I've been here too long now. I have to go.
0: Go where, exactly? It's wild out there. There's nowhere
2: to go. I've business here on the island. Business between me and the Lord. I'll pray for you, Patrick. I'll pray for you all. I'll not come back till I've found it in my heart to forgive. I'll stay out all night, all week,
0: All year, if it takes it. Hold on, Neville. Don't be going out there.
1: Neville made his way to the towering cliffs on the east of the island, to Baller's Fort, where he took off all his clothes and lay on the rocks all night long.
2: Heavenly Father, God, God, are you listening? Are you even there? Give me the strength to forgive these people. I can't. I won't. I don't know how to. They've taken so much from me. God, why are you asking this of me? It's too much. I have to forgive them. I have to find it in me. I just can't. Why aren't you punishing them for what they've done? It's not fair. And now I have to forgive them too. It just isn't fair.
1: The next day, Neville seeks out Patrick Doohan. They draw up an agreement in which he signs over the site of his house to Patrick in exchange for another on the island. Patrick signs the agreement, which is witnessed by the Secretary of the Island's Cooperative, but nothing ever comes of it. Patrick would later tell a court that he never intended to honour the agreement. It was unrealistic. Two days after signing it, Neville is readmitted to a psychiatric hospital next time
2: Your Honour you have to understand that when I discovered my house was gone something just went berserk in my brain
3: It's like Mr Preshaw said to me once there must be a new Bermuda Triangle on Tory Island of houses can just disappear like that